Nicholas, go ahead and take it away. Uh, the athletic. I got it. I've got. Oh, the athletic. Sorry. Um. I did remember. Nick, if you could just go ahead and make this up as you go, since you clearly, <laughs> <laughs> since you clearly. Uh, well, you know, it's like so much time passes, man. I can never remember. No, what dude, the, I'm just, I'm just giving you a hard but, time. Uh, okay, it's so just, this this past. No one else has a segment <laughs> named after them at all on the podcast. Yeah, that's the only guy, and he doesn't even know. Welcome to lowering the rim. <laughs> This is Lowering the Rim, a podcast about the NBA from a fan's perspective. We're five brothers, Drew, Nick, the twins, Caleb and Keegan, and I'm your host, Ian. And today, unfortunately, we will not be having Keegan and Caleb, who are off doing other things. But we are going to hit a couple of hot topics uh, regarding the NBA, even though it's kind of a downtime of the year. And so let's get started with a few hot topics. Uh, Drew and Nick, your thoughts on David Griffin's recent reflections of his time in Cleveland as GM? Definitely AD confirmed to the Warriors next summer. So coming soon. I mean, he already had a chance this summer. They specifically asked him, you know, are you here for the long haul, are you going to sign on for more years? And he dodged the question and said, you know, we'll worry about that when it gets there. So You think LeBron's going to run him out then? I think uh, there's been a precedent set and something that was just uh, once or twice happening has become a pattern. So that's, that's where I would put my money is that it's not just LeBron, but it's the whole... Um, this whole circus that comes along with him being on your team, um, you never know. He might he might get tired of it after a year. He might get tired of it by December, am I right? LeBron might be ready to trade AD. Okay, just in oh, case our gosh. listeners have not had the chance to read David Griffin's comments, let me throw out a few of the things he said in this article. He said, everything we did, this was while he was at Cleveland, was so inorganic and unsustainable and frankly not fun. I was miserable. Literally the moment we won the championship, which was 2016, I knew I was going to leave. There was no way I was going to stay for any amount of money. He goes on to say, uh, Griffin celebrated at first and then collapsed on his office floor in tears after James' letter ran on SI.com, overwhelmed by the sudden pressure to deliver the king's coveted ring. This is what Fisher wrote, who, who was writing this article. Um, and then, yeah, I think those are kind of the, the key points. Um Nick, your thoughts on this? Is this is this kind of is David Griffin kind of just going like bitter former employee? Let's take cheap shots at the Lakers because now they are they're the arch enemies of New Orleans. Or is there something to this? Is LeBron leaving some carnage along the way? Yeah, at this I I felt a couple things when I heard this story. I think at this point it's clear that LeBron does leave carnage and that he's a 
that every organization he's a part of is so LeBron-centric that it puts undue stress on everyone else. The narrative everyone seems to fear is that they're the ones getting in the way of his inevitable championships. That mm-hmm. The fact that he's on the team means that it's their role just to not mess things up wherever they're at in the organization, whether it's someone on the court or in the front office. I felt at first surprised that a general manager like that would be so influenced by the pressure from one of his athletes. Like LeBron's a great athlete, but this is a guy in his 50s who allowed another person in the organization to steal his love of the game. And you feel on one level kind of disappointed and in um, that he would let that happen, that LeBron would have that much control over him. Uh, but, you know, the more you think about it, we've all been in situations professionally where we have let the culture of the organization, or at least I have, where I've let the culture of the position of the organization have a negative impact of my experience uh, to a degree that it just shouldn't have. So I'm, I'm more than anything happy for Griffin that he gets to go back and have a do-over looks like he's doing everything right in New Orleans and he's got that feeling that we all get of just immediately wishing he could do things different and uh, he's in the ideal situation to do it he's got the most exciting young team in the NBA and uh, should be contending for championships soon so kind of disappointed for him Uh, not, not, not in him just surprised but also really happy that he's landed as well as he has yeah, and it's interesting that this, I mean, is there anything to the fact that, um, you know, he's he's kind of directly at odds with uh, LeBron and the Lakers now because they're, they're in the same, yeah. they're both in the West, and yeah. one of the things people are going to be talking about is who won the trade. You know, obviously New Orleans had to move Anthony Davis, but they didn't necessarily have to move him to the Lakers this year. They could have put, put him somewhere else. But the Lakers were willing to basically sell the farm, their their future generation, for this. And so how do you think all that's going to play out? Well, the criticism has been from the beginning that he couldn't get Kuzma because that's who everybody was eyeing as the real sort of gem uh, in the uh, among those Lakers prospects. He couldn't get him. But if, if it turns out we're overrating Kuzma, which doesn't seem to be the case, or that ball can become the player that Magic said he would be, um, the uh, Pelicans are clear winners because they're not going to keep Davis anyway. And all the other returns that they might have gotten are hypothetical, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd be surprised if we look back at this as um, a mistake on their part. I don't, I don't know what, what, what that would look like. Um, okay, one last thing on this topic. So, LeBron James today tweeted out, and some have suggested that this is a cryptic tweet in response to uh, David Griffin's article and his comments here. It says, this is LeBron James in his tweet, and it says, All right, all right, enough is enough. The throne has been played with too much, and I ain't for horseplay. Ether coming soon. Laugh emoji, bunch of fire emojis, crown emoji, hashtag James gang, 
and then the respect fist sign emoji. This is from his like personal account. Yeah. Boy, I think... I, I've worked so hard to defend this guy, you know, and he's just. <laughs> Maybe he just finally got to see the finale of Game of Thrones, and that's yeah. what the tweets were. Do you guys know? Do you guys know the ether? You know oh. the ether reference? Is he talking about Nas when? Yeah, I mean that's when I hear ether, I think of Nas. Yeah, Nas's uh, battle against Jay Z when. Yeah, he I think it's like laughing gas or something, isn't it? Drew, do you want to break this down for us? Yeah. You're the most culturally attuned. Well, so back in the, I believe it was the late 90s. It might have been early. No, I'm pretty sure it was the late 90s. Nas and Jay-Z had a rap beef going on. And Nas, they, uh, he released a track called Ether, And it was all targeted at Jay-Z. And so now it's become a, a verb almost. People will say, oh, he got ethered. Yeah, one of the all based off of that diss track. Yeah, <laughs> one of the one of the urban dictionary definitions is just to burn someone, which is basically like that track was just basically to destroy them. Yeah, you're dissing them or whatever. Uh, so so LeBron is about to release his diss track on somebody. We just don't know who because somebody's been messing with the throne. He's had enough, and he's done with the horseplay. He's coming for somebody. So well, he's going to accidentally release it too soon, and it's going to get all over Anthony Davis. <laughs> he's Anthony Davis is out of here, mister. Oh, my. Okay. Are we good? Any other thoughts on that? Or are we ready to move on? You really needed Keegan for the he, – he knows all about that. I feel like, I feel like Nick, Nick is I still just processing LeBron's tweet. He just doesn't know what to do with that or where to go with that. Man, dude, it's par for the course at this point. Yeah, I think that, you know, in time, I think everything Griffin said was fair. I, I don't think it was a cheap shot. I think he's someone who really values culture wants to build a healthy environment, and it's really hard to do that with somebody like LeBron in the system. And at the same time, you can't get rid of him because he's the sort of favored local hero. Uh, and that, that he, he really was just trapped, and it must have been miserable. But years from now, after we've seen the New Orleans situation play out, we'll know probably more what it looks like when Griffin can run an organization like he wants to. And... By the looks of things, LeBron's situations will continue to unravel. And, uh, yeah. Oh, man, it's going to be a great year. I can't wait. When is, when is October going to get here? It can't get here soon enough. All right. Uh, we don't have to spend long on this unless you guys have some energy on this. But uh, Carmelo Anthony uh, playing this year, there's been some – you know, players in the league, Damian Lillard being one of them, kind of saying, hey, it doesn't make sense that Carmelo doesn't have a roster spot. A lot of people fired back at Damian and said, well, why don't the Portland Trailblazers sign him? And, of course, it was crickets. Nine straight. Chasing that farewell tour. They don't love you like that. By 17. By 46. Is that 144.98? Victory here in... What are your guys' thoughts on that? Carmelo Anthony playing and just the farewell tour idea in general. 
first of all, I, I don't understand the idea that the league owes him anything as a sort of gen, generic entity. And I also think people are probably overestimating his importance in the league. Never won anything. Never, I mean, he's most famous for being photographed on a banana boat uh, like 10 years ago, right? And for being on some <laughs> Olympic teams and for all of his potential, you know. But do I, I would be shocked if players in the league really believe that he's that caliber of, of player and would want him to go on that kind of a tour. It would seem to be kind of anticlimactic, I would think. Am I missing something? Is he more important than I thought he was? Or Yeah, I, honestly, I don't really understand the idea of a farewell tour in general. It seemed like that wasn't even a thing until Kobe did it. Which, yeah. I mean, Kobe is like a legend. Yeah. Kobe's uh, definitely a but whole n- different category than Carmelo. Yeah, yeah, and I get that, but I, I guess I just don't understand why now everyone needs a farewell tour. Well, Kareem did it. You know, back it's in the, not. Yeah. <clears throat> Again, he's a legend. Um, it, you know, even like Dwayne Wade's, it just kind of after a while, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we get it. He's gonna swap a jersey after every game. You know, it's just it kind of. I maybe it's because the season is too long that it feels a little bit exhaustive. Could be. And the more people that do it, the more generic of a an event yeah, it becomes. It's like, it's, there's always somebody at the end of every game. It's going to be their last time playing in that stadium, you know? Yeah, it's like you do it. Somebody like Kobe got it because he's a legend in the NBA, you know? Well, It's and, not everyone just gets to be go on a – I don't know. I just don't really understand the concept in general. And, well, and the other thing that Carmelo struggles with, I think, in this situation is that – both Dwayne Wade, Dirk Nowitzki, and Kobe Bryant all had a team. You know, they. Yeah. Dwayne Wade was the Heat. Dirk was with the Mavs the whole time. Um, Kobe was with the Lakers the whole time. You know, and so it's it's mm. kind of this iconic thing, but it's like who, what team or fan base is like has that yeah, kind really of love or ownership him. of Carmelo. <laughs> I mean, when he was with the Knicks, the greatest thing that happened to the Knicks when he was there was Lynn Sanity, and he wasn't playing. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, what, that's what was so amazing. I mean, Lynn Sanity, yeah. I think, would if I'm a New York Knicks fan, which I'm not, I would think Lynn Sanity meant more to me in the past few years than Carmelo yeah. Anthony. <laughs> like, that was one of the craziest things ever. And it was unbelievable. I mean, the energy, and apparently Carmelo's the one who ran him out. Did he really? Yeah. 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 Uh, he didn't. Yeah, he he didn't, didn't want. He, he, he didn't want Lynn's sanity because it was all about Melo. Because didn't never, like the way that offense was run, and then that's why D'Antoni ended up leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, part of the problem with Jeremy Lin too is he's had injuries, but because uh, it wasn't like he wasn't good. Which, maybe we can segue to that. Did you guys see the interview with Jeremy Lin where he's basically, because he hasn't been picked up yet, and he's basically just saying how he's hit rock bottom and feels like the NBA has given up on him. And, um, you know, it's just, it's been really hard, you know, that recognizing that maybe he's he's done in the NBA, that sort of thing. 
Yeah, I saw that. He called. He referred to his, to his ring with the Raptors as embarrassing. You know, oh, I didn't hear that part. Yeah, I mean, I I love it when guys are frank like that. It would be awkward yeah. to be someone who really thought he would become the guy someday. Yeah. Play average what a minute and a half a game throughout the playoffs or something. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah, always I, surprised they didn't give him a little more time, at least earlier yeah. in the playoffs. Um, I mean, maybe not against like the Sixers or whatever, but whenever I saw him in there, I felt like he ran the offense pretty well. Matt Matt Barnes just said the same thing. He said the one he got with the Warriors, he doesn't even count it because he he didn't get to contribute. Oh, really? Really? You no, know, it's just more of a it's a formality. Uh, I do think that the Lynn story has a racial element to it. I think that if he is not an Asian guy, he, he gets more respect. It just, it looks really different to see him out there. And I think people might assume he doesn't have a killer instinct or I don't know what, but it's it's too bad. Yeah. Okay, last just quick, quick hitter here um, on Hot Topics before we go to our over-under predictions for the year. Uh, Clay Thompson had an interesting quote recently. Um, he was commenting on all the people who are writing off the Warriors dynasty and he said to say the dynasty is over is a little ignorant because I'm going to come back better and even more athletic it would not be smart to count the dubs out what are your thoughts on the Warriors this next year and kind of Clay Thompson's optimism of the, the dynasty continuing uh, AD to the Warriors confirmed <laughs> No, I I couldn't agree more. I I just it kind of baffles my mind that be, first of all, I've seen footage of Clay Thompson uh jumping off a boat into the water and stuff. His knee looked pretty okay to me. So He's having the time of his life. Uh so that's one. It doesn't seem like he's going to be out for the whole season sort of like what was initially thought. Um two do people? It's weird that Steph went from a two-time MVP to what? What can he do? Sort of a attitude. Are we back to it's, Steph which being is, underrated? It's just yeah, it's weird to me that I I mean I've heard people saying how you know AD might possibly be the best player in the league. AD has not accomplished anything. And then here you have a guy with all these accolades, and he's sort of just lowest guy on the totem pole all of a sudden. I don't know. The logic to me just doesn't make any sense. I mean, they added they added another all star in D'Angelo Russell, a guy that can you know score on anybody in the league, which is skill number one you need. I mean, it's basically he's like he's sort of like a younger version of maybe a James Harden type of player. Yeah, that's what yeah. some people have compared him to. And then you still have Steph, you have Draymond. Um, you know, I don't know as far as like win totals. I don't think they're gonna have a like some crazy sixty win season or anything. But they'll be good enough to make the playoffs. And then when it really, you know, in the playoffs when it really matters, there's no doubt that they know what to do. They've been to five straight finals versus like for example, everyone seems to be pretty high on the Jazz. I just I don't buy it at all. I don't see a t- I they just don't have any experience. Um 
you made the point earlier that the Warriors have more continuity. I just see the Warriors having no problem handling them. You saw what they just did to the Trailblazers in the conference finals without KD. Um, and that was without D'Angelo Russell as well. So now you add D'Angelo Russell to the team. Why Why would they not be able to beat any of these Western Conference teams? I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, it is always funny how people are talk about like, oh, is, is Damian Lillard actually better than uh, Steph and all this? It's like, dude, Steph just dominated Damian Lillard in a sweep in the conference finals. Yeah, I think he averaged 36 for that series. Yeah. It just blows my mind. And Damian Lillard dominated uh, Westbrook. And who also, let's not forget who eliminated the Rockets the last four years from the playoffs. Steph and Clay and Draymond, you yeah. know? So, they did, I mean, they had KD last year, but they didn't have him this year. And they took care of the Rockets. So, I... I I'm having a hard time coming up with the teams that would beat the Warriors other than, you know, the Clippers. To me, that's about it. I don't – I could see them beating anyone else in the West in a seven-game series. Okay. Well, this is a good segue maybe into our over-unders. Uh, but, Nick, do you have any, any other thoughts on the Warriors and where they – where they'll how they'll fare this year? Uh, I would just say that uh... – you know, I still remember when Terrell Owens broke his leg uh, about a month and a half before the Super Bowl, and he swore he'd be back in time for it, and that was impossible. And he was back, and he was the best player on the field. It's still one of the craziest rehabs I've. I mean, I don't know if I've seen a crazy. I mean, it was he was amazing. Um, so when a player says he'll be back, I. I mean, he he doesn't know yet, and it's not really up to his will or anything else. But Clay seems like a pretty determined guy, and he who who knows, you know, he could be back by the All Star break. If yeah. he is, it's a whole different season. He he might be the most important warrior, you know, like down the home stretch in in a game yeah. seven or in a a playoff series. I, I don't know who's yeah. more important than him. But if he doesn't come back, I, I don't think they'll be relevant. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think I I think the recipe is the Warriors can hang for half the season or maybe even two thirds of the season, and then if they can get Clay back, get him rounding into decent form going into the playoffs, then you know who knows what can happen. But if he doesn't come back at all, then I think the Warriors could still make the playoffs. I just think really doing much in the playoffs is going to be a lot harder unless the chemistry with some of these other guys just really takes off. But losing Iggy, um, I mean, D'Angelo Russell is really talented, but yeah, I mean, the chemistry would have to come really fast there and um, they'd have to hit on these young, younger guys in a big way, I think, uh, to really do something in the playoffs without Clay. But just think... Okay, well, first of all, to me, Clay is not the type of guy that just talks. So when he says something like this, it gives me uh, pretty good confidence that he he knows that he's going to play next season. Yeah. Um, and so when you see 
so say for their playoffs, they have Steph, Clay, Draymond, D'Angelo, and then whoever the fifth guy is, you know, that <clears throat> they work through with their roster. Don't you still think that's a pretty formidable starting starting five? Yeah, I think so. I think the issue... I mean, three, that's three um, lethal shooters, and then the best, arguably the best defensive player in the league. Yeah, and that's what I worry about, though, is their defense. A clay provides such a, a huge benefit on being able to pl- defend whoever the other team's best wing is and being able to switch onto so many guys. I mean, Steph is a good system defensive player, but you have to kind of keep working to, you know, not get him in unfavorable matchups. And um, D'Angelo Russell hasn't been a good defender, although he's big enough that he could be a clay-type defender on the wing. It's just that's going to be a huge growth area for him this year. So maybe he can do it, you know, but I think that's where they would miss. I mean, they'll miss clay on both ends, but I, I, I think they could put up numbers with that, that team. I just don't know if they could um, defend at the same level. Like, Kind of like the Sacramento Kings. I mean, they could Sacramento Kings could put up huge numbers, but they just couldn't stop the other team, you know? Yeah, but it, see, it seems like that's the way the league has moved now, where it's if you can score, you can True, win. True, yeah. And, and it's not so much defensive-minded because that seemed like what the Warriors ran into with the Raptors is they were struggling to score. Yeah, totally agree. Um, totally agree in the regular season. Which is why I think they can make the playoffs. I think in the playoffs, though, you have to get stops. You have to be able to, you have to be able to have better defense, and that's why the scores are always lower in the playoffs because teams are playing better defense. Um, at least in the games that count. I mean, there are some games that you know just get out of hand and break loose or whatever, but um, the games that count, I think they're they're typically lower than what your average regular season game is. Well, I think all the, the last finals, the team that won every game was at, weren't they at like 110, 115, I think? Every, the winner of every game? I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty yeah, high scoring. Look it up. Yeah, all right, well, let's, we'll come back to that. Let's look up, uh, Oh, here you go. Uh, 109-118, Raptors won the first game. 123-109, second. Or no, 109-104, second game. 123-109, third game. 105-92, fourth game. 106-105, fifth game. 114-110, sixth game. So, yeah, I mean, it was pretty high. Um, Yeah, see, that 92, that's just, I think that's, telling you know it's yeah. you got to be able to score that's the that seems like the most valuable skill in the league is if you can you score when people are looking for talent new talent yeah the crazy thing is the warriors scored exactly 109 in the first three games and then they <laughs> went 92 105 110 so they other than game four they were almost you know right basically right in between 105 and 110 every game Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. All right, 
Uh, over-unders. We've got some over-unders for that have come out. The Vegas odds. I believe these are the latest ones. They've, they've kind of adjusted them slightly a couple of times since they've come out. But um, So here's what I want to do. I want to ask you guys what your overachiever prediction is. Like what team is going to be more of an overachiever based on these. Um, your underachiever. And you can click on there to see to see who these uh, the the picks, and then your dark horse champion doesn't mean you're picking them to win, but if there's somebody that you think could maybe sneak in and win that would be unexpected, uh, who would it be? For example, this year I don't think very many people. I think people thought the Raptors would be good, but I don't think that that would be, you know, people's second, third pick maybe for the finals victory or victor so um just to kind of give a baseline here the bucks are on top with the most projected wins of 56.5 um and then it goes down clippers 55.5 76ers 53.5 jazz 52.5 rockets 52.5 lakers 51.5 nuggets 50.5 Celtics and Pacers both 48.5, Blazers Warriors 47.5, Nets Raptors 45.5, Spurs 44.5. And that's it kind of starts dropping off after that. But you can see they're really in the west in particular it's really bunched up. There's a lot of teams who are right in there. Uh Yeah. That makes sense. So I think what the Warriors had a 58 wins last year and that got them a 1 seed. Yeah. Yep. So West West is always so some a bit more of a gauntlet than the East. Some other interesting ones of note would be the Spurs, who are forty four point five, which I think I mentioned, um, because people often count them out of the playoffs, uh, and they always seem to find a way in. The Mavericks are forty one, and they're really interesting because they've got a new team with uh, Porzingis there, and how he comes back will be interesting. Pelicans are 37.5. They obviously have one of the most exciting young players as well as a handful of other great young players. Could they do a little bit better than that? The Kings are another team, 36.5, that um, they played really well last year and were really close to making the playoffs, actually. Um, they have a new coach now, so that'll be interesting. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and the Suns aren't the worst team. They, Right now, the Cavs and the Hornets are pegged as 24.5 as the worst team. The Suns only won 19 games last year. So did the Cavs. MJ, sitting sitting lonely at the bottom. Yeah. So, <laughs> Come let's on, start, Mike. Let's start with uh, who do you think your overachiever is going to be? Well, I've, I've already uh, taken the over on the Pelicans. Sounds like you guys are pretty big on the Kings, um, or would expect them to win more than that. But yeah, I think that part of me thinks the Pelicans will be better, and part of me will just be following them this season. So um, I'll, I'll be kind of pulling for them. But yeah, that that would be my my uh, my underrated or my overachiever pick. I don't see a lot of very. I mean, all, all of the teams at the top look pretty fair to me yeah i don't know about the i don't know about the jazz maybe as much uh yeah N nick i am disappointed in you what 
You are not taking the Pistons on the over? Detroit Basketball! No. I think, oh man. I would take them to go over 37 wins. They're in the East. Yeah. They won, they won 41 last year. You really think year. that low of your home team, huh? Nick, well, I mean, they won 41 last year. doesn't mean I don't want them to do well. Pardon? They won 41 last year. Yeah, uh, you know, they're... I I find it... You think Blake's going to be injured? Is that why you wouldn't take the over? I, I don't know what they're going to do with Blake. I don't, I don't know how much longer he can stand being there, really. It's it's such a dead end situation. She she gonna demand you know what the paychecks keep coming. That's probably what he cares do. about. Is he gonna demand a trade and go to OKC and Chris Paul's gonna come to the Pistons? Oh my word, that would be really sad. Man. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I'm watching a lot of their games anyway. But yeah, Blake's at least a, he, he's a he's a fun player. He's a first class guy. Hey, Paul's CP3. another. CP3, at least you would have somebody, you would have an adult in the room who could tell people what to do. Oh, perfect. Reminiscent of Isaiah Thomas, a a legit point god. Oh, man. That's that's not what you're looking for? Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, maybe (laughs) he can take his $40 million contract someplace else. So last, last, hang on, I think the Pistons can win 38 games. Yeah, that's true. I think they will, too. Uh, last question for you, Nick, on your your overachiever prediction: Will the Pelicans make the playoffs? Maybe. Yeah, I think you know. I think it's both. A strong the, take. And, and you know the Pistons probably will too. They'll sneak in an eighth seed j- just to make sure they don't get a lottery pick again because that's you know what they do. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, th- I I would take the Pelicans. Uh, who are you? Who are you taking out if you're slotting the Pelicans in? Who Who's the ninth seed in the West? Um, Spurs. Yeah, maybe. Um, maybe the Spurs. Um, the Lakers. Oh, no. I like th- I like this. No, the <laughs> Lakers are going to be there in the thick of it. So that's not your underachiever. The Lakers, no. No. Man, games. There is no world in which the Jazz win more games than the Nuggets. Yeah. I would take I probably would take the Nuggets on the over. You would take the Nuggets the on Nuggets the over. The Nuggets have the exact Yeah, cuz they have the exact same team and just added more talent. And they were the 2 seed last year. Okay. And they're really young. I just I don't understand the Jazz hype. So did did you really don't. Drew, you're saying you're the Nuggets are your overachiever? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, cuz I guess based on this in the West they would have them at the what? 1 2 3 4 the 5th the 5th seed. I I think they only got better and last year they were the 2 seed. Yeah. And Jamal Murray has to, you know, they just gave him a huge paycheck. He has to he has to demand a trade he's, now. <laughs> yeah, he's going to the Pistons. We should put an over under well, on the number of players that forced their way out of town early. 
you know, <laughs> by the by the All Star break. Yeah, like how many players have demanded a trade? Now they may still be playing, but have have let it be known, sort of through their well. Agent. Don't you <clears throat> don't you think that that stuff's going to be a little more tight lipped now after AD situation? It seemed like people realized, hey, if yeah. you're going to do this, you better keep it extremely quiet that was really brazen yeah well it probably won't yeah be quite and it, and like it just looked really bad on yeah everybody him and his agent and yeah just, just i think players probably learned from that hey i'm gonna do this quietly now see paul george for the uh clippers trade yeah i don't think he was looking to leave town until they they got the call from uh he got the call from Kawhi. did he was he I don't know. That's what my my guess is. Probably he was like fine with being in OKC until, like you said, Kawhi called him and he's like, "Get me the hell out of here." Yeah, and he did. He learned what it was like. Once to he play realized the there was an opening, right? Yeah. So Nick, who's your who's your overachiever pick then? Probably would be Utah. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Utah. I would I would pick as as overrated, as sort of as an oh, yeah, underachiever. Yeah, sorry, under, yeah, underachiever. This. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I would take the Pelicans on one hand and the, the Jazz on the other. Okay. You? What about your What about your dark horse? Uh, your dark horse uh, champion. Oh. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I, you know, I would say either uh, Denver. Uh, if if Clay comes back, he I really think he's that big of a difference maker, and there is kind of a new parity. If he comes back healthy, he's the kind of guy who can win games sixes and sevens. Mm-hmm. So. It's kind of weird to say, but the Warriors could be a dark horse candidate, you know. Yeah. Uh, and Colley like Stein, like, like they added a lot of talent. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good pick, solid pick. All right, Drew, give us your over overachiever, underachiever, dark horse. Well, I think I gave you my overachiever, the Nuggets. And your underachiever is oh. the Jazz. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. I just I don't see it. Um, I mean they'll be good, but yeah, I would give it to the Jazz. Dark Horse. I actually like Nick's first take. Maybe the Nuggets. Yeah. Um, I also think the Mavericks are going to be way better than what this is giving them credit for. I think that's pretty low to me. Forty-one. Yeah. Do we know anything about Porzingis' health? Is he going to be starting the season healthy? Is it, is this going to be sort of a developing story or what? Nick, most of our takes are based on feelings, not facts. So we oh. actually don't know. We, yes. we didn't. Our producer didn't provide us that information prior to. Oh. Well, I would imagine since, because there was talk last year that he could have played, and then Cuban said we're we're just going to shut you mm. down for the season. Which I think a lot of that was... Uh, They're trying to for, win that Zion lottery like the Pelicans did. Yeah, that was for draft picks. So I think he's good to go for this season. Oh, I think he's he's. I think he's been healthy for a while now. All right, I'm going to give you mine. Oh, did you give your dark horse? Um, I think my dark horse is also the Nuggets. Okay, 
I like that. You know, if you want to get really dark, we could say the Rockets. <laughs> Westbrook wins. That's, that That's getting real dark. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Okay. He finally decides to play a different style. Yeah. That's a, man. That's I a, don't see it happening. That's a big. That's a sort of a neo gamble. Right I think there. they're going to be great in the regular season. I actually could see them getting the number one seed in the regular season. Oh wow! Wow. I just. I mean, they have the supporting cast for sure. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to translate into the playoffs at all, especially in the West this year. But here's my here's my overachiever, Celtics. I think they're going to be neck and neck with the Bucks for number one in the East. And um, I think it's going to be a, a nice little uh, statement against Kyrie and how dysfunctional he was. Um, he wanted so badly to get out from under the dysfunction that David Griffin so accurately articulated in that recent article. But unfortunately, the dysfunction didn't leave him, and he took it to the Celtics. So they're going to really thrive because Kemba's a stand-up guy, and hmm. all good point guards uh, do well in the Celtics system. I mean, look at how well Isaiah Thomas looked under Brad Stevens. And for whatever reason, Kyrie couldn't figure it out, but I think Kemba's going to figure it out. Uh, so I'm, Celtics are my overachiever. Um, underachiever, I am going to say the Lakers are going to underachieve. Um, and they may get close to I think they'll be under what their win total suggestion is they only had 37 wins last year I think somewhere in the 45 46 range is probably more accurate for this next year but I think the it's gonna be even though they're only under by a few games I think the noise around are they really good? What do they need to do at the trade deadline? What did they? Oh no, AD is out for two weeks. What? How, this is too much of a load for LeBron. This isn't working. I think there's going to be like a ton of noise about how it's not what people hoped it should be, and they need to make these moves, and who's to blame, and all that kind of stuff. Um, Why is Rajon Rondo still on? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So they're going to be one talking about trading Kuzma at the trade deadline, and he's. They need to get better shooters or better wing defenders and all this other stuff. So um, I think that'll be my underachiever. Um, my dark horse to win the championship has got to be the Spurs, right? I mean, who else? Ooh. Who else? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going Spurs. Nick, we doing we doing Spurs have a better record than the Lakers? Oh yeah. no. Um, and I. This one's tough for me. I like both of your picks, and I could easily just get on board with that. I think the Warriors are a great dark horse for the reasons you laid out. I I think the Nuggets are going to be spectacular this year. Um, man. Yeah, I, I... I'm telling you, if the Warriors are healthy, I don't see any West team beating them other than the Clippers. Yeah. I really think that, in a sense, a dark horse team could be a team from the East who aren't the Bucks getting to the finals, which would basically be the recipe that happened this past year. Which it's like one of the it's the Bucks were clearly the top team, and everyone thought they were going to the finals. 
but it's one of those other top tier teams, which there's kind of four of them in the East, and they just hit the right matchup or the right injury situation where they win it. I feel like we could see that happen again. Um, and so I would probably put that as the 76ers or the Celtics. Um, yeah, I'll go with I'll go with the Celtics since that was my overachiever pick. But I don't it it's has less to do with them and more to do with I think one of those teams other than the Bucks coming out and just getting the right matchup and winning. Um so that would be you don't be you don't see the I mean I could very easily see the 76ers being in the championship. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah, I'm saying. I'm saying if, of... I, I'm saying if I had to pick a team I'll just go ahead and stick with the Celtics since I'm saying they're going to overachieve. But I'm saying it could be the Celtics or the Sixers. Um that's probably the only two You're teams. saying it's pretty close at the top. Yeah, I think that, I think what Drew's saying is that it's hard to call them a dark horse when they're the third, you know, third ranked team in terms of over under. Is that right? Well, no, he picked the Celtics. Yeah, I picked oh, the Celtics. Okay. Yeah. I picked the Celtics. But I'm saying the recipe would be I'm kind of outlining that this I think a team from the West should win the championship. I think mo- there's multiple teams in the West that are better than the Bucks, Sixers, and Celtics, in my opinion. So there you have it. So, Ian, we, t- we taking Spurs over Lakers or what? I uh, can't do Drew, that this Drew year. already took it. Come on, Ian. Yeah. You, don't be- you don't believe him, huh? can't do that this year. I think- Who did they add? Who did the Spurs add? They got DeJounte Murray back. I think they got Lonnie Walker back. I think the Spurs will make they the playoffs. They did get rid of – you you think they won't? I think they will make the playoffs. They added Tim Duncan. He's going on a farewell tour. <laughs> how's he How's he gonna fit on that bench, man? That's gonna be the most uncomfortable. They're gonna have to like give him a different seat or something. Did they really bring back Duncan for as like an assistant or something? He's an assistant coach. Yeah. Oh, nice. I thought. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Okay, we're we're gonna end on a little uh, Nicholas's cage here. Um, Nick, did did you not know that? Are Are you rethinking that bet now? First bet that that yeah, big had, fundamental is, is no going to be idea. on the. He'd be warming guys up before the game. That changes everything. Uh, Five time champion Nick. That's yeah. it. Okay, we're we're going to end on a little uh, Nicholas's cage segment. So uh, Nicholas, go ahead and take it away. So this past week, all three of us signed up for the athletic after, you know, a few years now of being pretty sick of the way ESPN. Uh, covers sports or creates uh, sort of non-events that that their people rant about or whatever. And it's been kind of interesting going back to a more traditional sports outlet that just does news. And I think you guys have been doing it for a week. I've been doing it for two or three weeks. But at the outset, just standard news stories can feel almost anticlimactic, like Where's the real news? Like, this stuff is also measured. It's also fair, um, non-hyperbolic. And it's it's been interesting um, sort of remembering things about sports writing that, that you like, seeing people treat each other 
decently in the comment sections and all of that stuff. Compliment the writers. <laughs> you know, uh, people thank the author of the article for what he's written and and have uh, you know decent exchanges with them. Uh, and you know, it reminds me of reading articles as a kid and waiting for the sports section to show up on the porch and validates a lot of the feelings that I began to have about ESPN, about it being a real junk news outlet where people would, I mean, we saw this week the firestorm over LeBron dunking at his kid's basketball game. And I just don't feel any obligation to care about something like that. Or, and I, I don't feel any authority to judge those circumstances and those are the kind of stories that don't make the front page on the athletic um one of the things that we watched this week if at all yeah so and but when we get uh, a take on espn sort of tmz approach to sports it's like the colin coward video where he's talking about his stories being driven by insecurity you know He's afraid that he's going to lose his listeners. He's afraid that he'll have to go back to this small Washington town, and he's just going to make as much noise as he can to hook as many viewers as he can or listeners. And he doesn't care if he's wrong, you know. They so it's surface stories like that that ESPN would never give you about its own dirt, you know. Uh, but I've. I've appreciated it and had to become more committed to reading stories that are not sensational. So it's it's felt like every time you go in the athletic, you feel like there's less news, like less. It feels like less is happening in the sports world, but everything mm-hmm. that you do get is reliable and it's not uh, an opinion piece where somebody, where a grown man is not yelling about some irrelevant detail <laughs> in some athlete's life, you know? It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little more insightful and not so many just cliches being hurled at you in a bombastic way. And you don't see guys acting out their feelings. Like, is Stephen A. Smith ever really as upset as he looks like he is over these inane details? He just can't be. They're not that important. He's. We talked about it earlier, man. He's just a WWF character. He's a hype man. You just play. You <laughs> play a character. Yeah. Um. So that yeah, that's that's been fun for me. It's it's. So have you re- have you found your have you found that you have to kind of untrain your um. Kind of, your expectations or the way that you process what you're getting because because you're so used to the other style i think a little bit i just i'm able to remind myself that i can trust what i'm seeing you know that that i don't get jalen rose telling me there's a 99.9 percent chance Kawhi's staying in toronto (laughs) you get enough of those news items and you just stop believing any of it and everything you see you you kind of just say okay you know i'm gonna wait till i get the real story a day from now so just realizing well this headline is one I can trust or being willing to, I feel like I got lazy as a sports reader with a lot of the ESPN stuff that's constantly throwing these cartoonish narratives at you. And you have to sit down with some of the nuance of a, of a true story. You know, that's not simplified and overly linear and, um, 
and also it's more moderate uh, in, in what it's willing to claim as true or fair or anything else. So yeah, I've I've developed more bad habits as a reader than I thought I had. Yeah, I've really enjoyed it so far, and it's been great just to, um, you know, have uh, like just the the variety that they provide too of like between the podcast and then you know in my inbox I'll have a new article based on you know kind of the things I'm interested in, just show up and you can kind of breeze through it real quick and. Um, and just, I, I'm amazed at how having like the, the web page that I'm reading on be decluttered of ads, how much more that helps you just to be able to absorb the content. Uh, that was kind of, That's that a was a bit point. of a surprise. Yeah. And like they have, uh, somebody covering like Detroit city football club, for example. And I find myself reading articles about this team that I've seen in passing. Uh, but it's it's good coverage and it's uh, introducing me to some stuff I would never have encountered on ESPN. Lots of it, it honestly it feels like reading a local paper, like with all the different articles you get on the Red Wings prospects and everything else. So it's got those advantages too of of having like national caliber writers handling your team what do you do how do you think this changes sports media like is this a industry disruption that's going to really take off or is this just uh private school versus public school i mean espn's got to be nervous i don't know how big of a dent i mean it seems like the athletics going to serve a different crowd the people there are a lot of people who really want the arguments who really need the the noise and the the feeling that something really, really important has happened today when a rumor comes out that Chris Paul has a beef with James Harden, you know, like it's unsubstantiated by anybody, but. Hey, how, how is the athletic going to just really elevate the conversation on our podcast? Well, something has to. (laughs) (laughs) Can you think we can get an ad read for the athletic? Put put that in there. I think maybe we just earned our second year of subscription for free. Is that... So, uh, I'll just say, like from the NHL side, the NHL dumped a lot of their best, uh, most like, like most responsible hockey guys, and I've just seen all their names show up on the Athletic here. Like when the stories are are being written written by, like the Game of Thrones writing team and not people who actually feel a sense of fidelity to the reality, you you start to ask yourself why you're even paying attention. And that, that was a big deal for me with ESPN of just getting lied to over and over again. You want to hear from people who actually know what's happening or actually have a relationship in the locker room instead of someone who just has been told by his producer You've got to say something, you know. I mean, like we, that's some of what we heard from Coward. You know, they're telling these guys, "I don't care if you've heard anything or not. We need more or less a guarantee because we need clicks. We're gonna then create a three-minute segment, and then we're gonna sell a ton of ad space as that plays all day on Twitter and everything else. It's such a commercial beast. The thing about the athletic is you pay up front, but they don't rely on ads, like Ian said. 
They're not selling clicks. They're selling news. Well, Ian bailed uh, about 10 minutes ago. All right, cool. <laughs> That's all right. I think I, I, I need to get going anyway. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and stop recording. Okay. Thank you for listening to another episode of Lowering the Rim. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lowering the Rim. And feel free to email us your fan questions. LoweringTheRim at gmail.com. We'll see you next time.